Well, you got to have money to do a lot of these things anyways. So that is like, that's one show that I would listen to. You could test that out and see how it goes. But see, you're coming close. I mean, actually, all we're talking about here is we've just talked for the last half hour on finding your content. Till. That's really what, and what you're doing with the with your show right now is similar to what I'm doing. I've got a personal newsletter called The Random. Like if you go to JoePolizzi.com, you can sign up for The Random. That, the, my Random newsletter is my newsletter for my people and my friends just about things that I'm interested in. It does nothing for the business but a lot of business welcome to the Jess Larson show where I interview innovators and leaders today on the show I've got one of my favorite repeat guests Joe Paluzzi Joe thanks for doing this Jess thanks for having me I appreciate it first of all I want to say congratulations on where you're going with content Inc I've been a fan of the book for so many years and I've been listening to the content Inc podcast recently and it seems like you're really making a difference for a population that maybe hasn't been focused on as much. Can you can you give people a little bit of background on Content Marketing Institute and then what you're doing now? Sure, yeah, thank you. I mean, I've been in the content marketing industry, if you will, as you know, for over 20 years now. I started in publishing, had the entrepreneurial itch, started what became Content Marketing Institute in 2007, did a big event called Content Marketing World in 11. It's still the largest event for content marketing professionals. But I really thought that, oh, there's going to be this move where companies are vying for attention. How are they going to get that attention? They can't just do advertising. They're going to have to create their own valuable, compelling, relevant content. And so we, I really focused talking to, you know, Marketers from enterprise companies, mostly B2B, talking about how to set these things up and set up their own content media operations and whatnot. And then my wife and I ended up exiting out of Content Marketing Institute 2016. I did a bunch of things. I took a sabbatical. I wrote a mystery thriller called The Will to Die. And then when COVID came, I got the the bug really around that book, Content Inc. I rewrote that in 2021. I have the Content Inc. podcast, but I was like, okay, we've been talking to marketers this whole time. We're seeing this wave of new businesses start where people are launching second careers. They're coming right out of college. They're not even going to college. They're saying, I can create an actual business by developing valuable content to a specific niche and then build that audience and then monetize that audience over time. What I really saw is where I thought we could solve a problem was there's so many people out there creating content with no business model. And so that, as you know, that's what the book is about. You're going to create content. You're going to be a blogger, a writer, a podcaster, a YouTuber, if you're a Twitch streamer, whatever the case is. Yeah, there is a business model. It's actually a media business model. It's been used for hundreds of years. We've tweaked it over time. It's seven steps. You can go through that whole thing. And so that's what the book is about. And, you know, that's why we launched the new business, The Tilt, which is dedicated to that. So we're trying to maybe maybe have people stop focusing on the social platforms so much. Maybe people should stop focusing on all these influencers out there with a million plus fans and look at all the amazing businesses that are being started by individuals all over the world that are becoming experts in a certain niche. And there is a model there. And so now I'm out instead of talking about content marketing, I'm talking about content entrepreneurship. And it's been a 20 year uh, journey, if you will. And, and now I'm talking to you. Well, I think it's great. And I, I guess I really appreciate that you chose that for the name, you know, with with the show, like which, you know, I talked about last time is like very largely inspired by that book, Content Inc. You know, we're in this is year six something. We're over 700 episodes now, maybe three Amazing. million downloads. And um, it has been like extremely valuable to our business all the connections. I mean, even just the guests have probably been the biggest advantage for us. But I get calls. Like I got a call last night. I, I had forgot you were on today. I got a call last night from a guy. He's he's a lean entrepreneur, 
expert. He's actually been on the show. And he, like, he's done big things. He helped uh, a division of Boeing that they were shutting down because it was unprofitable. He ran the turnaround. It's a $5 billion revenue department now. You know, he's, anyways, he's done, like, very legitimate stuff, but always under somebody else's banner. So he calls me last night and says, hey, uh, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm ready to go on my own. I get all these asks all the time. It's been happening for years. I think I'm finally ready to bite the bullet. I'm going to leave X. He's at a big giant company right mm-hmm. now. And he's like, but I, I realize I'm not very good at marketing and it seems like you are. What would you do? And I immediately told him, you need to go buy this book. Oh, it's bless called you. Content Inc. <laughs> bless and, you. and I said, no, hey, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I would start a podcast where you start interviewing all of your ideal prospects. So you can really, you can make them feel important, make friends, but also find out exactly what's going on in their life. But you need to get this book and it'll help you think through not just how to make stuff, but how to turn that into a business. And then when I remembered you were on this morning, I thought, ah, oh, it's so perfect. That's, that's, that's so funny. I think you're too kind, but you know, we've obviously talked about this before. It's, uh, I, I don't know if, I, if, I don't know if I'm saying it's, I feel bad, but when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that are trying to do this and I'm like, it's, you're just, it's too complex. You're making too much of it. You don't have to be everywhere. You don't have to be on every social media platform. You don't have to do all the things, but you have to be patient. You have to be focused. You have to understand your audience's needs and pain points. And if you do that, you can be successful. I think what a lot of people see is the get rich quick. You got to get beyond all that, right? We know that it it takes just as long to build a content creation business as it does to start a restaurant and become, make that profitable or a funeral home or whatever else you do. It's a business. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. And I'm almost, I almost think the media gets too caught up in, oh, here's what YouTube is doing. Here's what TikTok is doing. Here's what this influencer is doing and all this stuff. And you don't realize, oh my God, like there's, there's actually a timetable. It takes 12 to 18 months to build what we call a minimum viable audience. It takes about that time to get to significant revenue. It takes about 25 months. The, re- the research shows us for a content entrepreneur to hire their first person. And we sort of use that as, hey, now you're a business. You know, it's not just you. You're actually, you know, hiring employees and you're building this thing out. So it's um, trying to, so it's an art and science behind it. And it's really like setting up a media company. But we, because of technology, we are all media companies today. It just depends on if you want to set up the processes to formalize that. And I mean, I'm whoever the, your wonderful guest is going to be, who's done all these amazing things. Yeah. If you say, oh, here's my audience, here's what I deliver, here's my differentiation area, we call that in the book, Content Tilt. You can find that and you can deliver, what are you going to do? And you're you're recommending podcasting, it could be blogging, it could be Twitch streaming, it could be YouTube videos, whatever, but pick pick the thing. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like, I'm like, well, tell me about your content entrepreneur business. And they'll say, well, I blog on Mondays and Wednesdays. I got a podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do YouTube on Fridays, whatever. And I'm like, what? I'm like, how long have you been doing this? Oh, it just started. Oh my God. Now, if you've, if you've been going for three or five years, I could say, yes, that may be something because you're already at diversification stage. But if not, it's like, oh no, I'm going to deliver, like in your case, your podcast at X date ever for the next 700 episodes. And it is a slow burn. And I'm sure you've seen it with the success of your show. You, you just start and you just slowly see the audience building. It's nothing crazy. Sometimes you'll get a breakout episode or so, but you basically just slowly, you got a nice incline. And then before you know it, it's integral to your entire business. And when you're, I guess this is what we want, right? You want your audience to miss your content. Like if you didn't deliver a podcast, would you get complaints? Like that's what we want. 
And and that's what a lot of people don't realize. They a lot of times they just talk about themselves or they really don't have a differentiation area or there's just too much competition over one area. It's like we have to think about all these things in order to break through. Well, you know, one of I agree with everything you said. And one of the things I want to kind of double click on is this idea of differentiation. Like that was kind of my point of like, I'm glad that you call it the tilt because it continually forces people to come around to that point. And this is my point to my friend last night when I'm telling him to read the book. And I said, and I was trying to emphasize to him, and I don't know if I did a good enough job. So I'll have to get him to get your newsletter so he can keep getting reminded. But was there's a lot of lean, operational excellence, continuous improvement experts. There's a whole bunch of them. You being good at it is not enough. Like, what do you have to say that those guys aren't already saying, that aren't already in the business books, that aren't, that isn't out there? Like that tilt, I feel like gets brushed over too easy. Can you can you go a little deeper on what a tilt is, why you need to tilt? Yes, sir. So the the tilt, the content tilt is your area of differentiation that actually propels you through all the clutter that's out there. So how can you stand beyond it if you will? So we have to we have to know right now that there's a battle for attention. Not just you and your competitors, right? But Google and Netflix and Microsoft and everybody else, they're going after that. And if maybe you might have great content and great information, but what is going to, what are you going to stand apart with? So there's many ways to look at this. You could say, okay, well, first of all, I'm going to target a different audience. So let's say you're targeting plant managers in B2B. You say, okay, well, maybe that's too broad. Maybe you say, oh, I'm going to target plant managers who outsource products to India and China that have more than 10,000 employees. Okay, well, that's a little bit better. I like to ask, well, if you delivered something to them on a regular basis in whatever content niche, could you be the leading expert in the world? I like to use that. Some people disagree with me. I love that because that really gets you focused on, okay, what changes do I have to make in order to break through that clutter? So the one is audience. Maybe it's the way you tell a story. Like some people love him or hate him, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is really funny, really interesting. He's got a very unique personality that enables him to stand apart in a lot of ways. Howard Stern, the same way, the way that he tells stories, uh, shock value, if you will. So it stands apart for that. So you can look at those types of things. It could be on a platform. Maybe my my son listens to Hassan Piker. Hassan Piker is a political streamer. He's been doing so for a couple of years. Two years ago on Twitch, there were no political streamers. It was just Hassan. And Hassan became huge because he was the only one there. So maybe in in Six Sigma or Lean or whatever this topic is that your expertise is done, maybe there's nobody streaming. Wouldn't that be something on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, there's a streamer that's talking about Six Sigma. Oh my God, nobody's doing that. That might be fascinating. Or maybe it's a... Maybe everyone's doing, I mean, we're doing a, a guest show. You you have guests on your show, My Content Inc. podcast. I don't have guests. You can look at all different options. Maybe you're going to do a little bit different. Our This old marketing podcast that I do with Robert Rose, we modeled ours after Pardon the Interruption from ESPN. I'm like, what if there was a marketing news show that just went down the topics just like they do on PTI, on ESPN? That's what we, that was our tilt. And it worked out fairly well. So these are the types of different things that you can do it in all different ways. But I would start to list like, you know, how do how do I separate myself from this? Now, it could be, look, I'm just going to tell a consistent message. And I feel that if I'm patient enough over the next two to three years and I do all the right things from a marketing standpoint that I can break through. Well, you got to do those things anyway. So you might as well figure out on the front end what you really can't do to differentiate. And I would use all the research you can. I love using Google Trends. If I had a favorite free tool out there, I would use Google Trends. I talk about it in Content Inc. where you can go ahead and type in certain key phrases 
And what I, when you type, let's say we're talking about uh, content creation. So you type in content creation and Google will tell you, this is types of things people are searching for in content creation. But then there's a little trending or hot topics in the lower right-hand corner, and it will show you. Maybe it's financial content creation or real estate content creation, whatever the case is, right? So you can figure, oh, maybe there's an opportunity there. There's one, I talked to one person that was in the knitting industry and she was telling me that she finds out what's going, what's hot in the d- different knitting techniques by what people are searching for. And you could find it on Google. So you could say, oh, I could, I could create a sub podcast on that. I could do another tutorial on these topics, or maybe there's research that should be done in this area. Anyways, you get the point. Take your time and look at it and say, why should people stop doing what they're doing and pay attention to me or us, this podcast? this blog, this whatever, versus anything else they have to do because you are competing with everything. You know, I love that your advice, there's so many theories out there. And I love that your advice is someone who actually built a sizable business in the content world and sold it at a healthy profit and is now back helping the little guy again. I appreciate it. I want to talk about something. I've been listening to the Content Inc. podcast. Actually, let's do this. Will you tell everybody where they can go get the Tilt newsletter, the, the podcast, the sure. conference? Let's let's cover the... Sure, absolutely. So as, as we've talked about, I'm dedicated to this, what I call the content entrepreneurship space or creator economy space and helping out the, the middle class of content creators. So we've done that through the tilt.com. It's a two time a week uh, email newsletter. It comes out Tuesday and Friday. And we basically one how to actionable item. And then we talk about all the news in the industry. So if you don't want to keep up with a thousand newsletters and you want to figure out what's going on, we do it for you to every Tuesday and Friday. We have an event that we just held creator economy expo. It's the same thing. It's targeting content creators and how they can become content entrepreneurs. We just had 350 people, uh, finally, an in-person event in this environment. It was in Arizona. went really, really well. Uh, so we've got that going on. Content Inc., the book. Go to go to, Am- go to wherever you buy books to get that. And then contentinc.io is the podcast. And you can get all 330-something episodes. They're five minutes every Monday. As you know, I just say, here's what I want you to think about this week, or here's what is bothering me, and I'll give you something that hopefully can help you in your week. So that's, and we've got research coming out in the next couple months on the creator economy. So yeah, I've turned the corner. I left content marketing. We had a successful exit. Now everything we're doing is focusing on this content creator and, and how they can be financially independent. Because I I love entrepreneurship. I love entrepreneurs. And I think the greatest way to launch a business today is through this Content Inc. model. Okay. So I, I feel like I'm in a content entrepreneur crisis. Maybe you can help me. Okay, please. Okay. So I started this show 700 episodes ago, j- originally to get free advertising for our charity, Child Rescue that combats child trafficking. And because I knew I was always going to get back into investing. And at and having an audience. Actually, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do, but I believed you in the book that having audience first, you can then later decide what you want to do when you grow up, yep. right? And I thought I was going to be back in investing, and I am now. So we've got a commercial real estate fund. Our main our main push is building like tiny house adventure cabins near national parks and surfing beaches and ski hills. And- nice. And uh, like luxury glamping resorts and like crazy tree houses that people naturally want to Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I am kind of at this place where I was, so I, I went back and listened to maybe like 15 episodes of the pod, of your podcast this morning. And I, I was thinking about something you brought up today, this idea of being the trusted voice in your industry. 
Okay. And like this show is really entertaining and fun for me, but it's not the most profitable content business. It's like, I feel like it's like the raw ingredients that I could then really turn it into a business. It's been great for introducing me to investors, to business partners, to friends. We've been able to do lots of stuff for charities, all sorts of stuff. But like as a, like reaching its potential, I feel like it's fallen way short and it's completely my fault because it's been a back burner kind of side project for six years. Okay? okay. And my question about being the top voice in your industry is look at like a Tim Ferriss or a Joe Rogan, right? It almost feels like their business is like edutainment. Would you say they have an industry they're a top voice in? Because it almost feels like a slightly different model for them. You got to, re- it's a great question. You got to remember that Joe Rogan actually got his start on television. He's on Fear Factor and he was comedian, yeah, yeah. professional. So already the built. Voice of MMA. Already right. built the following. Tim Ferriss was an author. I mean, Tim Ferriss did a lot of stuff, right? But Tim Ferriss broke through with a very traditional four-hour workweek book. And that took off for a variety of reasons. First of all, great uh, title. And that did the four, then did the whole publishing thing. So, and I know like we just said Jordan Harbinger at our event, great podcast that he did, but it's, it's a, it's kind of all over the place. He is, it's more about Jordan Harbinger and what interests Jordan than anything else. And I think that's what you're talking about. Not, not that I'm putting that model down. That's very difficult to do. I mean, we, we can name 10 to 15 of those people in the world that do that really well. And then you're like, huh, where I, I can name, you know, Wally Koval, who's, you know, got a thousand plus followers in, you know, because of his Instagram focusing on pictures that look like they come out of a Wes Anderson movie. It's like, what? So he's all focusing on this travel person that likes to go to the, all these strange places. That's amazing. Or Ann Reardon, who focuses on these outlandish dessert recipes, a specific, you know, specifically on YouTube. Well, nobody ever really did that before. So she does that. So you can come up with a million other those people focusing on, hey, I'm my expert in this area. So could the Jess Larson show take off and be like a joke? Yes, I'm not saying it couldn't. You'd have to put in, you'd probably have to do a couple of things differently, but you could absolutely do that. Or if you want to increase your odds for success, you would say, where's my, what's my most, most valuable audience? Where's the, where's the, what's the thing that I do that, that is, that nobody else can do like Jess Larson. So this is my question. So my thought is keep this show because it's so fun for me. It's like, it's, you know, there's billionaires are not taking my phone calls normally, but they will come be interviewed on the show. Right. And like actors like Danny Glover and these people who like, I don't have normally have access to, but they'll come on because of the show and being in the investment world, I will say like, even some of my friends treat me different because they know I hang out with people like that. I've got like almost some like borrowed status. Okay. That's and, yeah, And it's just fun. Okay. But as I, I, so I, and I was trying to go through like a whole bunch of episodes this morning, but I had to stop on that one. And, and it really ties into something you said already. But another thing you said was, would people complain if you stopped? And like, maybe it's a bit harsh, but like, I don't think people would complain that bad if I stopped this show. Like I've got, I've got, you know, again, hundreds and hundreds of people that listen to it, but, but like, I don't know that they can't get this type of information from the Tim, like I describe myself as the Tim Ferriss show, but worse, you know? (laughs) (laughs) and and like and like they can get this they can get this type of content elsewhere i don't think this is like they can only they can only hear you are on tons of podcasts they can hear your expertise from places other than me okay so i think i want to keep this show anyways because i love it and because of the status thing and the and it's it's how i got bloomberg as a client it's how i got to do the show for forbes it like it's been it's been great okay but as i'm thinking this is what your advice on is i think okay well what industry like who who do i really want and 
I think I've been trying to do too much at once. So my idea is like potentially two shows, and I don't know which one first, but specifically targeting entrepreneurs, helping them invest more like Warren Buffett because they're rich. And so everybody thinks they know about money and they do know about part of money, but they haven't spent time honing this skill of like identifying other people's investments where they can't show up and fix a problem. And yet they feel a little dumb. Like they'll tell me privately, like, I don't actually know what that acronym means. And I don't know, you know, like privately, they're like slightly embarrassed that they don't know everything about investing because they like they're super rich and everyone else thinks they know everything about money. And so I've been thinking like I am super nerdy, passionate about that. And I I do know that I have something unique to say there. And so is that I've been driving my team nuts, figuring out like, how do we work this into the Jess Larson show? And like this morning, I thought, "Eh, maybe that's a different show. And it's, it's like delivered consistently force. Like this is kind of an everything show for everybody who likes uncommonly high achievers. But I'm like, maybe I need a specific show for a specific audience. And my other thought is, well, I'm not really going to be that because this is like the highest uh, ROI form of real estate right now, like purpose built short term rental. Mm -hmm. It's like pays a multiple of like what buying an apartment building pays. So I'm not actually likely to be like desperate for investors. And I think like if I have a good business, the investors actually find me kind of thing. So should I instead have the show for like the like the action sports outdoor adventure people who go on trips because that's who I need to stay at these places? Like, do I build that tribe? Because that that, you know, I almost didn't go to college to be a pro snowboarder. Like I'm that really is me, you mm-hmm. know. And so is time better spent building that audience first? Because if we can gather that audience and they, they find out about our incredible places to stay that we've got, the business makes money and the investors find us. And I know I'm totally firehousing you. So no, no, any no. comments you've got about any of that. Is there is there a lot out there on the the second one, the outdoor sports? Is there, I mean, what's the competition set for that? What, well, what's, the competition what's something is, that's not opinion, being done? The competition is Red Bull, which is, you know, the guys actually doing the snowboard jump, the guy actually doing the mountain biking, right? And there's millions of people that follow like the guys who build mountain bike tracks in their backyard. So this is this is our big difference is we're not just going to buy the same dome tent everybody else does. We're actually sawmilling our own wood and making like one of a kind buildings that are like artistic that I'm, I'm an art school dropout originally. We're going to build buildings that like architecture magazines want to cover and like something genuinely unique. Okay, I'll stop but, it right there. Want, build where, a mountain bike that's a great, but that's a great story right there. Right. I mean, like, look at all the people right now that are that are uh, watching the History Channel or whatever. And it's all about, hey, I bought this this way or this is how this house was built or go inside and find this mansion. I mean, it's crazy. Right. People love that stuff and they will watch it nonstop. Is that if you already have access to all the pieces of that story, is there a way that you can go ahead and ongoing tell that story behind how this was built, how this is made, how what goes into that? Because you're obviously going to target both those audiences with that type of a story. Right. Am, am I missing something? Isn't that? Yeah. Well, what I'm really trying to cater to is if you have an $8,000 mountain bike and you're going to Moab or you're going to the Grand Canyon, none of those Airbnbs are made for you. They would actually prefer you didn't bring your mountain bike in the house and just leave it on the top of your Subaru. There's no place to lock it up. There's no place to wash your bike. They're, like there's nothing purpose built. It's like, even though there's like super passionate people that spend gobs of money to do these action sports and they drive across the country to get there, mm-hmm. the Airbnbs are the same for everybody. So we're trying to build purpose built Airbnbs for this person that comes with its own private snowboard park and rope tow, comes with its own private mountain bike, mountain bike park so big you can break your arm on it kind of thing. So as you're talking, I'm thinking like, I kind of want to do like Red Bull meets HGTV in the woods. Yeah, I could see, I actually could see something like that. I guess the thing that I was going to say is before I would jump in, I would probably be talking and maybe you already have to this 
person who owns the $8,000 mountain bike that wants to go to a specific location. I don't, that's not me. So I can't, I can't tell you, but I would want to know like how much have we talked to them? I'm sure you have like, what, where do they really want to go? Whether the, whether their interests and you can come up with a, an audience persona that really makes sense. It's oh, okay. This is what's missing. In a lot of cases, too, I want to throw out that for something that you've already, you already have an existing business, you don't have to start your own content business. You already have the Jess Larson show that's coming up with all these opportunities, but you don't have to do something okay. else. You could partner with a lot of people that already have those channels built, and you'll learn a lot by doing that. And then you could say, oh, there really is. Is there something missing? I want to start a podcast. I want to start a YouTube news show. Yeah, it would be whatever. a YouTube show. It would yeah. be a YouTube show yeah um that's a good point so this actually is my like this is my people like this is my family this is my friends we actually moved outside of park city we live in a cabin community at like seven thousand feet elevation it's kind of annoying to live up there so the only families that last are the people who are like nutty about this stuff oh my and you have to like have a little bit extra money because it's not that affordable right so it's actually like these are the families that we go on spring break with and then our kid you know our kids friends you know, we, we go on the group spring breaks and the Airbnbs are just, they're not made for us. You know, that's, that's kind of this audience. So I can use, call my friends and this stuff, but I, I've been making friends with some other YouTubers. Like there's a great YouTuber, Porter MTB. He's got like 170,000 subscribers for building giant mountain bike parks in his mm -hmm. backyard, stuff like this, right? Yeah. So I really like what you're saying. And I will say like fundamentally, like we just took on a bunch of like MBA student interns for the fund. And I told them, we're not really a fund who has like a marketing department. I'm like, we're such nerds for killing marketing. Like we are a media business that happens to own an investment fund, just so you know. That's so that's like the fundamental lens that we look through everything. And so, but I'm in this crisis of like, yeah, what media business? Because this show is replaceable. I love it. I'm going to keep doing it, but it's replaceable. What's the media business I should start that's irreplaceable? You know what is interesting? And I don't know why I just thought it was you're talking about a lot of M&A stuff. If you could, and I have my list right here. I don't know if you have your list, but I have a list of like podcasts and newsletters and things that are super interesting that my audience hangs out at that if I got the opportunity, I would buy them or partner with them. So it doesn't necessarily take a lot of money, but I think this is a huge opportunity for somebody that, you know, has some ingenuity and maybe a little bit of extra money. You could do this and say, and put together your own little network because you already do have some revenue generating opportunities. You are an investment company, so you have something. It's not like, and I do believe that you can build an audience first and then identify these opportunities. I'll give you a real quick update. When, when we launched the tilt, I thought the tilt was going to be driven by paid training courses. Well, we already pivoted. Now we do sponsored courses. So that happened real. I mean, that just was feedback that we were realizing. So I think what we're seeing happen and you're seeing big SaaS companies do this right now, they're going out and they're just purchasing podcasts, blogs, YouTube channels, whatever IP they can, because it takes a long time to create these things and build them. So let's just cut to that. And what I'm thinking is maybe the, you're, you keep doing your show and you keep coming up with all of these opportunities. But in a lot of cases, maybe that show is an opportunity for you to prospect yourself and say, oh, I really like this. I would, we'd like to do this deal over here, this deal. And because of all of that, it kind of pushes them to an opportunity of you do have something to offer for sale or you'll identify other things down the road for revenue opportunities. But I guess I wanted to throw that out because you might be the type of person that would do that and say, ah, we don't have to create it all ourselves. We could partner with a lot of people to grow this thing really quickly.
Well, what I love about that idea is for me, I think I would start with partner while we figure out who's really yes. worth the money kind of thing, you know, to buy. Which, by the way, it's like you could, let's say you were going to do a podcast network. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say, oh, okay, well, podcast network where you get the, maybe you help them sell space on their podcast or you all do some trades and talk about each other's podcast. There's lots of different ways to do it. But that would be a really good way to start. Because if you just talked about each other's and did some uh, marketing of each other's shows, then you'd say, oh, we're all trying to help each other's audience building. Great whatever or you could do look at different revenue opportunities or you could just say you know we're willing to pay a little bit for advertising marketing but we also want this in return i test it with two or three and see how they go and then you'll figure out the model and then you can take it out for a spin okay so here's a version of that we've been talking about well maybe maybe you'll think it's different but okay an idea that i have is i think this show could become irreplaceable i don't know if irreplaceable is right but this show could become differentiated if our format was different look at hot ones the where they get celebrities to eat the hot spicy mm, yep, wings yep. till they cry right mm, yes that show is not like one of 50 shows where people eat spicy hot wings and cry on tv right they they like they have got something off here that's different so i've been thinking what if our format was like maybe i keep up some of these because because some of the guests just want to do like this style right but what if our primary format was like adventure interviews and i go start taking like just like you said those i could take anybody on an adventure but especially focus on those people who already have my audience the ceo of specialized bicycles the ceo of burton snowboards the this you know the ceos of the whatever travel group you know like these people that have my audience and what if i actually like go back country dirt biking with them like so there's a guest we had on the show that we became friends so then he came out from la and we went back country dirt biking broke his collarbone mm, and he's like live streaming the whole thing to his audience you know because he's a adventurer, so he thinks it's funny that he's hurt okay but like there's inherent drama because something always breaks and stuff goes wrong and it's like what if the interview is like those ken block you know ken block from dc shoes i i do not guy? No. okay he has like millions and millions of views of driving like rally cars around like they'll shut down san francisco and he's like okay. doing jumps off the streets and stuff anyways he'll like try out a new snowmobile bring a pro snowmobiler and they'll like interview in the truck then they'll interview at ten thousand feet then they'll interview at dinner afterwards talking about it and it's like you know it's just a different format and so i'm thinking like i could be staying with the uncommonly high achiever theme here but just put a whole bunch of people who have my adventure audience like the high achievers from that space as a way to get to know them do some interesting stuff on format yeah and figure it out later i'm by the way i'm all for that we got to remember your production costs are quite a few quite a bit higher on those things as you know than doing a podcast which is very low production but the one idea, because you mentioned something about the, you, you, you know a lot of these wealthy people, but they don't know a lot about investing. What if, and I don't even know, I would probably listen to this show. What if you had just regular investment, people that you know that are wealthy up to a certain level and just say, open my portfolio. What do you do? Like go and I'm, maybe there's shows like this, but you could do it. Or you could actually do it with these adventurous people as well. Because by the way, there's a lot of overlap there. I mean, how many people who are really into these high adventures are also fairly wealthy? Well, you got to have money to do a lot of these things anyways. So that is like, that's one show that I would listen to. You could test that out and see how it goes. But see, you're coming close. I mean, actually, all we're talking about here is we've just talked for the last half hour on finding your content tilt. That's really what, and what you're doing with the, with your show right now is similar to what I'm doing. I have got a personal newsletter called The Random. Like if you go to JoePolizzi.com, you can sign up for The Random. That the, My Random newsletter is my newsletter for my people and my friends just about things that I'm interested in. It does nothing for the business. 
but a lot of business opportunities like yourself has, have come from that. So that's sort of my breeding ground to try out new stuff where I, that's where I first started talking about web three and crypto stuff. I talk a lot about investing stuff there. I talk a lot about marketing stuff that I'm not sure about. So I kind of work, work out the bugs there, but that's, that's what, sort of what you have. And then from that, that's where the tilt came from. That's where creator economy expo came from. So maybe that's where, if you treated this show more like, Hey, this is, and I think you've already said that this is your breeding ground. This is where you're going to find all the wonderful ideas and the show concepts. So you have just Larson show at the middle, and then you've got all these different ideas and you just have to decide where you want to put your money. See which one works first. So I've wanted to switch to YouTube basically all 700 episodes because I hate the feedback loop on podcasts. I don't know who's listening, how long they listened for, sure. if they like it or not, yep. you know, right? And so we've, we finally bought a space. We're actually just turning this space into the studio and, and I'm going to make that switch. My question is, do you think there's any problem with having some of the shows like this and some of the shows out on? No, I think if you set the expectations for it, I don't think it's a problem because in YouTube you have, you can have different channels as well. I mean, you don't have to just say you could have your, well, you could have your own channel and you have the different playlists, if you will. And so you could set it up that way. You got to remember too, that YouTube's really big on search. So YouTube is the number two. It might be the number one overall place that people listen to podcasts. A lot of people don't realize that. It's like, it's just, you listen a lot of video, but also a lot of audio too, but it's a lot of discovery. So if you're going there from a search standpoint, that might be it, but you still ultimately might want to convert people over to your regular podcast format, whether it's a Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever the case is. So I still, I mean, we produce, we distribute our podcast on YouTube, but I do nothing with it. There's no video. That's funny. I listen to all your episodes on YouTube. I just have YouTube premium and it plays in the background. See there. Yeah. So there you go. See, I'm, and I don't even realize that because I listen to all my podcasts on my phone, you know, what, whatever, whatever, whatever floats. But yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's a different financial model for what you're doing. Like your, your interesting pieces where you're going outdoors and whatever, that's, that's just a higher production value offer. And I would make sure that you have a network of people that can work with to get that out and market that because you can't just count on putting that on YouTube and getting found. You have to do a lot in order to get things going. And a plus, it has to be consistent. So if you're going to do that special show, you have to do that special show. What is that? Once a week? And when is that going to launch? It should launch at the same time every time. If you look at the greatest YouTubers in the world, they're very, very consistent about their delivery. So uh, um, back to... I really love this. Thank you so much. Back to audience, though, because I can see I can see the value of I keep this show up. This show is really easy to keep up. I can, you know, just it's kind of a habit now. Right. But part of me thinks like if what I really need for the business to make a lot of money so the investors will tell their investor buddies about it. Right. Is for people like for those for those really passionate outdoor people who do spend eight grand on a on a bicycle. Sure. Right. For them to have heard. Oh, have you heard about those places? That's where our next family trip is. We're going to that one when we go to Yellowstone, when we go mm-hmm. to Grand Canyon. Right. So part of me thinks, okay, I do have crossover my existing audience of entrepreneurs and outdoor adventure people, right? But should I keep this show going, run it for my testing? It becomes my, like the random, you know, like you're yeah. right. And do I do a separate show that is specifically for that audience? Those people who they, they do their nine to five or they do the grind so that they can get to a place like this. And this is what they spend their money on. This is like their identity, like, you know, and do I make something really specific to that audience of which I feel like I'm a member and my friends are and my family is. So I feel like I can speak to it, yep. you know, and then that is like by people like this, for people like this. 
and it gets me those specific guests who would pay extra to stay at this great place that is made just for them. I, I would well, first of all, outside of the revenue generation, it sounds like a separate show. So yes, I would I wouldn't do anything. It sounds like this current show you have is so much more about personal fulfillment than anything else. Yes, does it create opportunities? Absolutely. But this new show where you're talking about, let's say, adventure entrepreneur, what that means. Yes, go ahead and run it for a while, but I wouldn't have any expectations about revenue generation or pushing your product at first. I would just go and create the show. What is the show? Is it a Q&A? What's the format of the show? Make it for, I mean, you have to have some kind of formula with it. I would change it up from what you have right now. The first part is X amount of questions. The second middle part is this question. The third part conclusion are these questions or whatever it is. I would really look at coming up with a formula that's vastly different than what you're doing right now and then let it go. You know, do the marketing you have up front, but see how it goes. You're going to get feedback in the first 10 to 15 where you'll say, I got to tweak this because, you know, it takes a while to, to find your voice and to find uh, the audience's unfulfilled need that you're not sure of. So right now you're you have a best guess. And it's not right. But we and we know it's not. It's okay. You go forward anyways, and then you figure it out. That's why, I mean, when I started in 2007, I was an, it was an e, the site launched as a, the eHarmony for content marketing. That's how the whole thing started. <laughs> and in three years, we evolved to Content Marketing Institute and really focused on education for enterprise marketers. Not just marketers, enterprise marketers. That was a three-year evolution. Greatest evolution pivot we could have ever made. Everything was wonderful. But it does take time. And the only reason we got there is because, as Seth Godin says, we shipped, we produced, we did so consistently, we listened to our audience, we adapted, and then we came up with our regularly scheduled programming, if you will, and it worked really well. So that would be my advice. Do the, do the sideshow. Test it I out knowing that. you know nothing. Nothing. We don't know. I feel, like, I feel like everybody, every content entrepreneur needs this pep talk of like, you don't have a crystal ball, Jess. You cannot plan well enough to know the future. You're not going to know the future until you've shipped something. Like, just as you're saying, I'm thinking, you know what? I need to start a mini series on this show for my adventure people mm -hmm. while yeah. we work out a test for a separate show. Do a pilot. And that's basically what and you then, and And you're right. Like, no amount of planning is going to give me the answer. I'm only going to get the answer by doing it. So do you know of Mr. Beast? The, the of course, of course. Okay. Well, a lot of people still don't know, but I've been following Mr. Beast for years. We talked about him in the latest book. He has a really good, he's done this in many blog posts and podcast interviews, but he said, basically, your first hundred videos, whatever it is, podcasts, pieces of content, blogs are terrible. They're going to be, maybe a hundred one's going to be okay. And sometimes we forget, like I remember go, go back to my first podcast or my first, my first blog post was hideous. I don't, I mean, I, I don't even, it's still out there too. I don't even want to read it. I mean, like what? My first book was, uh, I don't know. I can't believe I published that. We all get better. We're all just trying to figure it out. But the most important thing is at some point you have to stop with the ideation and get to the execution because 99 out of hundred people have a great idea, but only 1% execute it. So that's jury. So, right. We've got something, right? We've got a good feeling. Write it down. Write your mission statement down. Who's the audience? What are you going to deliver? We're going to do a 12-episode 12, 12 pilot program for this. We're going to see how it goes. And after 12, well, let's say at the six-episode mark, because we're going to keep producing. We don't want to stop. And then and then we're going to look and we're going to say, what did we learn? What should we change? What should we not change? What does the audience say? You can get that. And then you get another 12. And then then maybe you're getting into feeling good about this thing. Okay. So, I love that know. so much. I'm just going to... You know the partnering idea? I'm just going to put all those people on this show, like the guys with the big audiences, the CEO, yep. the whatever brand, and and treat that as like an interview of like, hey, do you want to be one of the episodes of the 12-part 
of the twelve part pilot series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you could absolutely do that, right? I mean, that's your pitch at the end. So you get them on your show, right? And then after you're done, say, "Hey, it's been so great. I have this other podcast that you'd be perfect for. Would you like to go on that?" And they just had a do, great time yeah, on your podcast, a YouTube adventure show. We'd love to profile you for one of the episodes. And they're gonna say yes, and plus you have them already, and you've just talked to them for forty five minutes, so you absolutely do that. The only thing is, after this is done, you can't pitch me because I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. But anyways, I love that. I love that whole thing about the pilot. That's the, it's funny because this goes back to my days when I used to pitch content marketing to businesses that did nothing. So they were only advertising and I would go talk to the chief marketing officer. I said, I said, you'd have to position this as a pilot program because your, your whole company has never done anything like this. This is a muscle that's atrophied. It's like, or you've never used it before. So you have to go in and say, we're going to set this up like a pilot. We're going to learn. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to get feedback. I'm asking for budget for this period of time. And if it all goes well with these qualitative and quantitative findings, then we'll continue on. And if you do that, then everyone's a little bit more hesitant. They won't just, they'll say, okay, it's not a huge commitment. This is not the end of like, we're just going to test it out. We're just going to dip our feet into the water. And it's a lot easier to make these decisions. I love it. Listen, I want to be respectful of your time. What do you want to end with? What do people not ask you enough? What What's a good way to search close? Oh, uh, probably, uh, it's probably don't ask me about my my mystery book that I wrote. It was <laughs> probably that I'm, and I might be more proud of that anything I've done in business. And it was the most difficult thing I've ever done is, is to write a novel. It's called The Will to Die, by the way. I wrote it in 2019. And I and if it wasn't for COVID-19, I probably would still be writing. Fiction. Is there an audiobook of it? There is, yeah. Audio, is everything. Audible? There's everything available. Go to thewilltodie.com or Audible or okay. I'll go play by away, everything. Yeah. I, I So... Total tangent. We probably need, like, I'd still like to keep having you on every year. So if it's okay, I'll reach out to Pam. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like our annual thing. We always do right? Uh, but in that front, so I'm a, addicted to the Jason Bourne genre of kind of like mystery meets intelligence meets special ops. Yes. Right? Um, you obviously love the genre if you're going to write something in it. What do you feel like is your biggest insight having got, got done your first book in that genre, in your genre? Well, first of all, fiction writing is so much different than nonfiction. I can write nonfiction many different ways. With writing a novel, I had to write every day. I had to, it's almost like you're getting ready for a marathon or a triathlon. You have to work out every day to get your mind, body, and soul all working to the same direction so you can actually do this. It probably took me a couple weeks of writing a thousand words a day until it wasn't horrible anymore. So I would absolutely do that. The other thing is when I, so I've, I've written seven nonfiction books all about marketing and most of them I created a table of contents for. Here's my chapters. And I thought that that's how you did, you know, fiction writing as well. Because the stories come out when you when you get your body, body into this rhythm. And I don't know what it's called. The Zen moment that you're in. The stories just come out of thin air. I remember the one day I was so excited. I just wrote like 3,000 words. And I ran downstairs and I went to talk to my wife. And I said, you would never believe what Will, main character, what Will did today. And she's like, what? Like, don't you know what Will's going to do? You're the author. You're writing. And I said, no, I had no clue it was going to go this direction. I'm so excited about where this book is going. I never expected that just to happen. So it was such a pleasant surprise. And it's so tough. Once you get through the grind and then you get to a moment like that, it's like I've never experienced something like that in my life before. So it was amazing. So that's a little bit of insight with at least mine about nonfiction and fiction. Nonfiction is so much different than fiction. In fiction, you got to really prepare yourself and get yourself into that moment. I, I'm so excited to get to the point in life where I feel like I can dedicate that 
amount of time because that's that's like a for sure bucket list item for me. Yeah, so you just have to do it. And really an hour a day. I think an hour a day, get up before everyone else is getting up, get that and and it'll it'll change your life. Cuz I always I always thought, "Oh, I have to be I that's all I can do." It's not. I believe that you have to dedicate a portion of your time just like you would dedicate anything else, but you could do it while you're doing your job, while you're whatever you're doing. You can do multiple we 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 could we could multitask. Is what I what I found out. That's great. Hey, thanks again for doing this. One more time, the tilt.com. Where so let's let's do the newsletter. The, sure. the uh, yeah, I'll do the do the yeah the, the rundown is uh, the tilt.com. Subscribe to the newsletter, please. If you like podcasting, contentinc.io, Content Inc. Podcast. I also, if you're on the marketing side, this old marketing site. That's our podcast site. We've been doing that for ten years now. I can't believe that. Content Inc. The book is the most recent book. That's the one I would recommend for the model that you and I have been talking about for a while in-person event is creator economy expo that'll be next april or may as we go and if you want my personal musings about all that random stuff that i do every week that's joepolizzi.com you can sign up to it and every two weeks i come out with the random newsletter and i think we're on like number 86 or 87 right now so it's just so we, we, you and I both create a lot of content and I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. We're having fun. Well, I'm looking forward to next year, but let's schedule it before your event so we can promote next year's event. That would be great. I would, I would love to do that. Yeah. I'm very excited about in-person events these days is that we didn't talk about it, but I'm bullish on print and in-person events, which is probably what nobody else would say, but I, I like that. But it's your differentiator. Look at that, right? Well, I just, I think that's what the opportunities are. I always like, okay, when everyone, what's the saying? When everyone's zigging, you zag, or whenever it's zagging, you zig. I mean, that's absolutely what I'm looking at. And everyone was so in on social media. That's why I went to Web3 in-person events and, and print. And that's where I would spend my time right now. Love it. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank you.